You are listening to AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Thanks, Kelly, for the intro. Welcome back to the AM Sports Podcast. In this episode, Alex and I will be joined by our guest, Brandon Niles, to talk NFL. Before that, I want to start off by asking how the man who played Mark Wahlberg's body part double in Buggy Nights is doing. <laughs> Alex, how are you, sir? Uh, well endowed, that's how I'm doing. Well endowed. <laughs> Wow, where do you come up with this stuff? I love. It. I wish I had just a a little bit of creativity that I could pull from you. But you know what? Somebody's got to do it, and you're doing a much better job than I am. I can't come up with stuff like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Little, not many, very many people know, but I write. I write all of the rocks material. You do a very good job. A shout out must go out to you because um, even when he decides to go off script, like he decided to do at uh, Royal Rumble this past weekend. He nails it, so that's actually a testament to your writing capabilities. <laughs> he always brings the house down. I actually went on YouTube and watched the his return videos, uh, not only the ones this, this past weekend, but just throughout the past 10 years or so. Every single time, he brings the house down. It's must-see TV. There's a reason why he gets paid the money he gets paid. <laughs> Very true. Well, switching gears, as you know. I must, real quick, that's yeah. also why we get paid the money we get paid as well. Speaking, speaking of money, I want before we actually that, – that triggered something in my mind. Uh-oh, trigger. So, yeah, trigger. I was at the gym the other day, and this lieutenant colonel of the Army left all his weights on – or left all his weight plates on the actual uh, bar. Oh, clean and that, up after yourself. Holy that, shit. That drives me nuts. Oh. And so I decided right then and there that one of these days I'm actually going to win the Powerball. And when I do, <laughs> I'm going to buy my own gym and I'm going to hire you and Al Daniel. And <laughs> your guys' sole purpose is to face mash people when they don't replace their weights on the uh, on the rack. I'll do it for free, but I mean, <laughs> if you're willing to pay me, I'm all for it. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, switching gears. As you know, there's a lot going on in pro football right now. And here to talk with AM Sports about the NFL is Mr. Brandon Niles, who's a sports columnist for Explorer, Big Sky, and the website 444. Brandon, thanks for joining the show. And how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Alex. If you're as endowed as Martin says you are, I think I know where your creativity is. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, usually I like to keep that between my girlfriend and, and me. But, I mean... Since we're already talking about it, I mean, we might as well keep going. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brandon, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Sure. I, uh, you know, I'm just basically a, a sports junkie like you guys. I, uh, I've got my own podcast, twoguyspodcast.com, which is great, which you've been nice enough to join us on before. Uh, and then I've been uh, the EBS sports columnist at Explore Big Sky for a few years now, and I've been writing at 444.com, uh, doing fantasy football stuff for about 10 years. So it's, uh, I pretty much try to engage in any sports avenue that I possibly can. We we try to do sort of similar things. We uh, we try to delve uh, a little bit into everything, stick our toe toe in where we can. There's obviously lots to talk about uh, in all parts of the sports realm, but obviously uh, big things right now happening going through the NFL. Between we have Pro Bowl coming up, we have obviously Super Bowl coming up. Uh, we have the NFL coaching carousel that uh, happens pretty much every single year. You have Black Monday, the the Monday after the regular season, and then everybody gets let go, and they sort of go off into the wind, and it's just a matter of time until somebody uh, reels them back in. Let's go ahead and, and talk about the 
coaching carousel first, if you will, just because you actually did an article on this for explorebigsky.com. I definitely encourage everybody listening to go out to explorebigsky.com and uh, look at what you had to to, uh, write about it because definitely some good insights. Uh, Me being here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, much ado is being made about Dirk Cutter getting a chance to cut his teeth on his first head coaching job. We see a lot of internal hires uh, especially between coordinators and head coaching jobs. And I'd like to get your thoughts on, especially if somebody's staying in-house, is it good, in your opinion, for a coordinator to be hired within the company, if you will, and promoted for their first head coaching job? Or does it really matter if it's within the, a, company, a, a team, a franchise they know, or should they go somewhere else and so? get a little bit of different feel when they make that leap into the the big chair. You know, it's uh, it's a good question, Alex, and it's it's hard to gauge because it just doesn't happen that often. You know, the only other head coach that's in the NFL right now that was hired that way is Jason Garrett, and then Ben McAdoo was also just hired from the offensive coordinator spot to take over the spot vacated by Tom Coughlin in New York. But the big question here is, is going to be twofold. The first is, can Dirk Ketter come in and establish a a level of authority over the assistance that he's maintaining. Uh, Now he's let go of Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator brought in Mike Smith, who used to be his head coach in Atlanta. Uh, Dirk Ketter was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta before he came over to Tampa Bay. So uh, I don't think there's going to be a problem there. Uh, But some of those other assistants who got used to seeing him as an offensive coordinator, if there was any kind of personality clash going on there, that's the first hurdle that he's going to have to jump. And the second hurdle will be a lot's going to be on him now because my personal opinion is that Lovey Smith was let go because Tampa thought they would lose Dirk Ketter. I feel like. Yeah, I, f- I feel like they attributed Jameis Winston's success to Dirk Ketter. And then they were like, oh, wait, somebody's going to come out and hire this guy out from under us. We got to get rid of Levy Smith and, and upgrade Ketter. So it's going to be a lot, of qu- a, lot of, a lot of pressure on him. So if he can continue Winston's development, then I think he's going to be successful. But, you know, that jump from coordinator, there's a reason that NFL head coaches, we, I think we average seven, uh, seven new head coaches every year. There's a reason that happens. It's a, it's a tough job. And coordinators have a hard time in general i like his chances but it's it's hard with the expectations you get staying in the franchise well and and i think that and i i agree with you in the sense that in this case the Jameis winston situation the the project that was um basically making sure he was mentally right both on and off the field uh off the field was no problems for his first season so that was a huge check mark uh, for them, and then obviously getting him to get used to the pace of the game, get used to um, the type of play calling that was going to be made in this offense. Everything worked very well, uh, considering what offensive weapons they had. A big, big problem for Tampa Bay for a long time has been the offensive line. And going back to the beginning of the season and even before then when we had the draft and they first took Jameis, I was actually on the of the opinion that what Tampa Bay should have done was trade the first overall pick, get more high picks, 
and shore up their offensive line because it didn't matter if they were going to have Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, or the very last quarterback taken in the draft, and it didn't matter who was going to be running. If the O-line couldn't protect them, then they were going to be hosed. The offensive line surprised me this year, allowed uh, not only Jameis to start from scratch and really develop in his his play, but then also the running backs. I mean, Doug Martin was the second leading rusher in the NFL last year. So um, he had a resurgence as well. Cutter is maintaining his offensive play calling this upcoming season. I think that is a huge part of this as well. You brought up McAdoo. There was also uh, the Titans who promoted their interim coach, uh, Mike Malarkey to a full-time position. Uh, and then, as I said, you brought up McAdoo. Do you feel that they will also have sort of the same potential for success considering they're in a similar situation? Well, I'm real high on McAdoo. Uh, Malarkey was an assistant head coach, which I didn't bring him up. He he wasn't technically a coordinator, but you're absolutely right. He was elevated. Uh, I, I, I'm less optimistic about Malarkey's chances. We've kind of seen what Malarkey can do. Uh, he's wasn't exactly a quarterback whisperer when he was in Jacksonville, uh, didn't exactly do a great job with quarterbacks in Buffalo. So I, I don't really think Malarkey is going to be the long-term answer. I think of the last interim head coach who removed the label was Romeo Cronell, who came out one, like two or four games or something for Kansas city and got canned. Uh, I think of other guys who've, who've been in a similar situation. Mike Singletary was a guy who, uh, similar situation. So not very optimistic about Mike Malarkey. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, getting rid of Ray Horton, their defensive coordinator, wasn't the best move in my opinion. He's one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the league. Uh, his success is going to be hinged to Marcus Mariota's. If Mariota continues to step up, much like Dirk Ketter with Jameis Winston, if Mariota has another has a good sophomore season, I think Malarkey will stick around. But those wins are going to have to come pretty quick with an internal hire like that. I don't think he's going to get the three-year. Uh, not that Tennessee gave Ken Wisenhunt three years, but that three-year buffer. Uh, the Giants, you know, you look at Ben McAdoo, the problem in New York has not been Eli Manning the last couple of years. Uh, I know he's been known to throw a, an untimely pick and, and to turn the ball over, but Eli Manning has quietly had the most successful, most efficient seasons of his entire career underneath Ben McAdoo the last couple of years. So I think maintaining defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, uh, getting some some kind of an influx of talent on the defensive side of the ball and maybe up front because that offensive line struggles, uh, getting Victor Cruz back, having Odell Beckham enter his third season. I, I think I think Ben McAdoo is going to do OK. I also think the ownership is a little steadier in New York and that they're going to give McAdoo an opportunity to succeed and fail and succeed. Uh, which is what I think you really need. I think that continuity in the league has gone by the wayside, and there's a reason you see teams like Pittsburgh or look at Carolina now. Uh, Ron Rivera was supposedly on the chopping block multiple times before he started kind of learning the system and learning what he's doing, and now he's coaching in the Super Bowl. So optimistic about Ben McAdoo, less so about Mike Malarkey. That might be a little bit of retread bias, but that's what I would say. Speaking with Brandon Niles, sports columnist for Explore Big Sky, and 4 for 4, and co-host of Two Guys Podcast. What are your thoughts on Chip Kelly and the San Francisco hire? Yeah, it's a great question. I was not high on Chip Kelly in Philadelphia this year. However, I think he fits great in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, you look at Philly, he didn't fail as a coach. He failed as a GM. He failed as a guy... 
uh, bringing in talent because he he came in and he just gutted the team. I looked at what he did. He got rid of like four of his best offensive players last year, brought in guys like Sam Bradford, overpaid DeMarco Murray to come in off a con- off a career year and uh, fit him into a system that doesn't work for him, let Jeremy Macklin walk. I, 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 I was concerned about the turnover that they put forth last year. This year he comes into a San Francisco team that, needs turnover they, they need to be broken down and brought back up and kind of in the image of their coach so uh chip kelly is a good coach i i think he's got a good coaching ability so we'll see what happens when he comes into san francisco and gets an opportunity to kind of build a team from the bottom up because philly philly has some expectations philly fans have, a, have some expectations that san yeah. francisco is going to give them a little bit more to do it now i don't like I don't like the Jim O'Neill hire at defensive coordinator. I don't know why you hire a guy who led that Browns defense last year to coach <laughs> a defense. But uh, but we'll see what happens. And I, I like I like Chip Kelly. I think he's going to be really good for Colin Kaepernick if he decides to keep Kaepernick. I, I still think there's a chance Cap gets moved, but I think he'll kind of bring revitalize Kaepernick's career a bit. Going back to earlier when you said that average of seven NFL coaches get fired each year, when you think about it, that's over 20% of the coaches each year, each season, they get fired. And I'm not really a fan. I think some guys, they're better as, as coordinators than they are as coaches. Dave Wanstead always comes to mind. And Norv Turner, two guys who are amazing coordinators. But then when you put them in the head coaching position, they don't necessarily fare, fare as well. I was a little disappointed that Tampa fired Lovey Smith. I've always been a big Lovey Smith fan. But at the same time, there was a lot of there was a lot of talk about his Dark Cutter's relationship and Jameis Winston's production, which is all attributed to Dirk Cutter, supposedly. One one thing I want to chime in here just for a quick second and cut you off, uh, Martin. Uh, one thing that I want to point out is, uh, and this is something that has was brought up uh, multiple times with stuff I've been doing here uh, with my other shows, the fact that if you look at how Doug Martin was used and the offensive play calling, yes, Dirk Cutter was responsible for a lot of the offensive play calling, and they had success, especially in the first half. If you look at how Doug Martin was used, he was getting a lot of his work in in the first half. He would have 80, 90, 95 yards in the first half, but then if you notice, he would have two, three carries in the second half. And some scuttlebutt in this area was that for whatever reason, Lovey was pretty much benching Martin for the second half of, of a lot of these games for whatever reason, not entirely sure. Um, but I think getting back into play calling and, um, how things will be maintained under a cutter regime here, that might've also had something to do with Lovey's firing as well is he was actually maybe trying to go against the system a little bit that they had set up and then it just they could have had more success basically is what i'm trying to say yeah i wonder how much of that was a reflection of tampa bay kind of falling behind a lot they won more games than i thought they would this year but they still i think they were five and eleven or six and ten or something so uh you know I, I think that that's a factor. I think you can run early, but then when you get down, you got to kind of throw the ball. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if Dirk Cutter is that. You said he's going to maintain the play calling. I wasn't aware of that. Yes. I don't. Yeah. So I wonder what Todd Monken's going to do because he's a guy. 
you know, had some success turning around that Southern Miss program. And he's known as kind of an offensive mind and a developer of talent. So, you know, maybe Monkett will be able to do something. But the big thing with Doug Martin is do you re-sign him? Are you, do you think Tampa re-signs him? Personally, I do because bottom line, I mean, he was the second leading rusher. I mean, ta- when we're talking about career years, when he has been healthy, he has been on. His rookie season, he was a rookie of the year candidate, and he was all over the place. And then he dealt with some injuries, and then back healthy, and he's now again the second leading rusher. So um, in my mind, yes, they they do and should re-sign him. I'd like to see him stick around. I know I, I just it seems like the value of running backs has gone down so far. It wouldn't surprise me to see somebody else pay him. You know, I, I mean, we saw it with uh, DeMarco Murray last year. You know, the guy led the league in rushing. and was, uh, you know, that was one of the first times I've seen something like that happen. But he sure seems to have a home in Tampa. I wonder, mm-hmm. do you fear it was a contract year or do you think you really do attribute it to health? I th- honestly, I think it's a little bit of both because regardless of whether or not um, it's a contract year, you have to be healthy to perform. So if he wasn't healthy, he wouldn't have been able to perform during this contract year. So I think it's a little bit of both, but bottom line, um, his health had a lot to do with his success. And if they are going to dump somebody, I mean, they're actually fairly deep in the running back position. Um, they have Martin, they have Sims, they have Bobby Rainey as well. Who's used more as a return guy, but he is a running back by trade. So you could end up getting rid of Rainey or Sims and trying to bring in some sort of talent elsewhere if they if they need to. Uh, but in my opinion, of those three, you definitely have to keep Martin and, and make sure that uh, he's he stays in the in the pewter because he delivered. <laughs> I'm a little old school, so I hope you're right. I like seeing running backs do well. I like seeing like really hardcore run games and all that. I I, I like seeing that, and I love your uh, your rookie offensive lineman last year, Donovan Smith at left tackle, yeah. and Ali Marpet the guard. Uh, Marpet was a guy I didn't even know who he was. I think he played at like Hobart or something, and uh, that kid came out and he looked like a starting guard in his rookie years. So I was I was very impressed with Marpet. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a pretty good showing. Um yes, he went to Hobart and William Smith. So yeah, uh, obviously that was a, a huge thing was was the O line stepping up. Uh let's actually transition a little bit. We've talked talked about the the coaching carousel and sort of what we feel is going to happen because of that. Let's get back to the here and now and, and get into the playoffs. Um Panthers Broncos for Super Bowl 50 on February 7th. Uh Did you see this coming? Uh not early on. Uh, before last <laughs> week, I uh, when I saw the Panthers play against Seattle, I kind of thought, you know, Palmer, you know, a little shaky playoff history, you know, a little little hurt finger. Uh but before that, I really thought it'd be Panthers Patriots. I really thought that's yeah. what what we were looking at before last week uh, going into the playoffs. I really thought Seattle was going to be a tough out. I, I thought it'd probably be Seattle, new England. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking, but uh, you know, I, I lived in North Carolina for a little while. My co-host of our, of the two guys podcast, Dwayne is a diehard Panther fan. So I'm excited for him. I like Cam Newton. Uh, I'm excited that the Patriots are not in the Super Bowl because I'm a well-known <laughs> hater of, of the Patriots. Uh, excited to see one last hurrah for Peyton Manning, too, although I do think the Panthers are going to win that game. I have to say that I'm I'm on the, the Panthers bandwagon. I am definitely a Cam Newton fan because I uh, bleed Auburn orange in ah. my blood. So uh, war, war damn eagle there. So there's that. <laughs> 
and I am surprised that the Patriots are not in. Um, I definitely was expecting them to to run all over the Broncos because I I just didn't have that trust and faith in Peyton Manning. Somehow they pulled it out. But you go back to the last time the Broncos were in the Super Bowl, and it's like, well, yeah, no, not happening. So I'm I'm definitely thinking that Carolina gets that ring. You know, it's it's interesting. We know how to beat the Patriots, right? It's easier said than done, but we know how to beat the Patriots. You hit Brady in the mouth, mm-hmm. and you don't turn the ball over. So Manning came out, and he he uh, only one turnover, and that was that freaky backwards pass thing. Yeah, only one turnover. Otherwise, a pretty efficient day. Nothing really exciting, but a pretty efficient day. And that defense hit Brady in the mouth a lot, and that's that's how you beat the Pats. Brandon, were there any surprises to you in the NFL playoffs this year? Uh, well, New England losing, like I said, was a surprise to me. I really thought Pittsburgh would have a better showing against Denver, uh, but I think they just came in too beat up, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and then Green Bay has kind of kind of carried over throughout the season. I really thought Green Bay would be a uh, an utter powerhouse this year, and they just haven't looked right all year. And it's it probably injuries, probably that receiving core yeah. hurt them really bad, but. Uh, I would think I, I thought Green Bay would make a stronger showing against uh, or uh, in the playoffs. I thought they'd be in that NFC championship game. And then I, I admittedly didn't think Carolina was ready yet. I didn't think they were ready to take that step. And I'm, I'm glad I was wrong. Alex, what are your predictions? Bane said Carolina in the Super Bowl. I also think Carolina. Are you going Denver? <laughs> no. No, Cam Newton's your uh, Cam no. Newton guy. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a guy like Cam. He is a physical specimen. Uh, plays smart, plays hard. In my opinion, I mean, he's a, a runaway MVP winner. Obviously, he's a candidate, but I, I think no no questions asked that uh, MVP season. Uh, I think he he leads the leads the way. And uh, sticking with the MVP talk, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, let's go with you first, Brandon. Is Cam Newton the no kidding MVP, or who else is uh, in the running with him? I think it's got to be it's got to be Cam Newton. You know, I uh, I actually wrote an article for Big Sky making a case for Cam Newton as MVP before the playoffs. So I I think after the playoffs, it's just been he's just kind of cemented it. I, I think is the case. I mean, the guy is incredible. Uh, and I think he's done more with less. I think that 15 and one is hard to argue. And that team, you know, Ted Ginn was his best receiver this year. So yeah. for all the, for all the talk about the injuries in new England, like the injured new England team is better or supporting cast is better than what cam has had to deal with all year. So I, I, I think it's cam Newton hands down in my opinion. I agree. I think cam Newton is the hands down MVP winner. Brandon, you talked about all the injuries, especially at wide receiver for the Panthers, because Gelvin Benjamin tore his ACL during the preseason, and there was a lot of there was a lot of doubts about the Carolina receiving core this year. But Cam Newton, he stepped his game up, whether he's running the football or throwing the football. He he was unbelievable, hands down. What about you, so Alex? You you on that bandwagon too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No questions asked. Um, you get performances that just sort of shock and awe. I mean, and again, going back to, we keep on going back to it, just the less is more thing to be able to persevere in the face of adversity is a character trait of all leaders. And this guy is a a true leader on the field and 
gets the most out of what he has. Um, just that consistent hard mouth. If he has to hit you in the face when he's running, um, and then you try to step up and then he puts one over the top. It's like, he's always one step ahead of everybody. So no questions asked for me. Cam the man. And I think at one time he was Tim Tebow's backup at Florida. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Think and about that. Where, it, it, and look where each one is today. Well, in, in Cam's defense, or I guess Florida's defense, Tim Tebow was probably one of the best, you know, at least college-wise. He was a great college. quarterback. Yes, college. Some, yeah, heavy emphasis on college. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brandon, I have a challenge for you. Since Dwayne's not here to talk about his beloved Panthers and beloved Cam Newton, <laughs> I need you to channel your inner Dwayne Thompson and speak about Cam Newton's MVP chances and the Panthers won the Super Bowl. So if you need to put on your Dwayne Wayne glasses from Different World or, uh, <laughs> you know, just put out that Haterade or whatever it is that he drinks, just, just, just let it out there, man. Now all I want is those Dwayne Wayne glasses uh, from a different world. I haven't thought about that show in years, but that's a phenomenal show. But yeah, I, uh, I, I know what Dwayne would say, cause Dwayne is a cautious guy. He's been a Panther fan, a Bobcat fan, a Hornet fan. So Dwayne would say, I don't know, man. I don't know if, it, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm not going to be okay. The Panthers are not going to, Peyton Manning's going to have a, a, a stellar day and the defense is going <laughs> to get him. That's what Dwayne is going to be saying. But uh, from, from the perspective of Dwayne as a fan, what he would be saying is Cam Newton is the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. There's nobody <laughs> like him. He's 26 and he's already got the record for rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. It's incredible. Unbelievable. And he's going to come out and he's going to just kill the Denver defense despite how talented they are. He's going to he's going to find the spots in the seam. Greg Olson is going to get open. He's going to run. He's going to pass. He's going to do everything. Five touchdowns, blow away victory over Denver. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to be here first, folks. <laughs> I was against Cam Newton when he came into the league. I didn't think he was going to fair do this well. I was Me too. I was totally wrong. I admit it. Yeah, I Honestly, wanted the Panthers I, to draft Patrick Peterson. That's that's and AJ Green second. And I liked. Uh, I was a big fan of Christian Ponder and Jake Locker out of that draft. Those were my quarterbacks. I did not like Cam. Wow. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, good. Interesting choices. Honestly, I I wasn't following NFL quite the way I am now. Uh, back way back five years ago. <laughs> When uh, when Cam came onto the scene, similarly to what you guys were saying about Cam, I actually felt that way about Jameis, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I I was of the opinion that uh, the O-line should have been the priority then, and then after that, the next best option was Mariota. I was of the opinion of the three options, Jameis was actually the worst option. Um, not that it was a, necessarily a bad option, just the worst out of what was available. And I was completely proven wrong. And uh, obviously his rushing capability isn't comparable to Cam, but just the ability to lead and learn quickly is, in my opinion, very similar to what Cam has been able to do early in his career. Yeah, we'll see if one day Jameis becomes a MVP candidate. He was able to back into a Pro Bowl slot for this season, um, joining four other Bucks in the Pro Bowl this year. 
I mean, it is what it, what it is. Pro Bowl is not what it used to be. Yeah. Hey, it's it's something to, that you get to put as something on your resume. So that's that's a plus and good for him. But Brandon, do you think Jameis has a shot at the rookie of the year this year? I would give it to him. Uh, you know, you got to consider Todd Gurley, but, you know, that team wasn't very good, and Gurley missed a portion of the season, and he was pretty shut down when defenses keyed on him. So uh, if Thomas Rawls hadn't got hurt, I might have considered him. But I, I think it's pretty easily Jameis Winston uh, for the Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. And, you know, I was with you. I, I wasn't a fan. I, I had him off my draft board uh, purely because of the off-field stuff. I just sure. didn't want him didn't want him on my team. But you know, Winston is a little different of a of a guy than Cam from a talent perspective. Uh, Winston mm-hmm. actually has a better arm. He's actually a better passer than Cam ever was uh, and probably better than Cam is now. Cam came a long ways this year as a passer. But, sure. uh, but Winston is a far more accurate passer uh, and he, he goes through reads a little bit better. And he, he that was one of the things that really made a difference evaluating him versus evaluating a guy like Cam Newton. So uh, I think the future is bright, and I would definitely give him that Rookie of the Year award this year. Jameis right. Winston's actually becoming famous for good reasons now. Yeah. yeah <laughs> instead of in- infamous. Now, I, I think that I agree that he's a better passer, but I also think that's out of necessity because of his inability to run like Cam. He has to put a lot more emphasis on his ability to get the ball where it needs to go. Uh, strictly because he just can't move the way Cam does. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree. His his throwing ability is uh, superior to, to Cam, and that's uh, something that we've seen out of Auburn in general, and this is one of the things I don't like about Gus Malzahn, is that he goes out and recruits athletes to play the quarterback position as opposed to bringing in quarterbacks to be a quarterback. And he was the Oko at Auburn uh, under Gene Chizik when Cam was there, and he continues to do that as head coach now. That's one thing that, that Jameis had the had the benefit of Jimbo Fisher and just the way he was running things and, and trusted him to be a quarterback to play quarterback. And that I think we see that, continue to see, just his evolution as a player in that way. But, I mean, that's more of an NFL-style quarterback anyway. It's the Cam, the guys like Cam or Michael Vick in his prime or guys like that, they're the exception to the rule as opposed to a, a pocket passer. Hey, Brandon, where can people find you? Ah, well, the two guys podcast.com, four for four.com. That's the number four, F O R, the number four.com. Explore, explore big sky.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter at two guys, Brandon. Brandon, thank you so much for joining the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, Alex and I were, were pretty excited that you decided to help us out and do the show. And just, I've been, I've, I've, I've personally been following you, all your writing for four for four and just reading articles on explore big sky. It's, it's really great stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. I, I've been listening to you guys a lot. You guys do a great job. Uh, you're the only reason I know anything at all about MMA. And, uh, <laughs> that's all Alex, man. That's, Alex's, that's his and, uh And it's a lot of fun, man. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. Well, we definitely like uh, like hearing everybody else's thoughts and definitely your 
your input is is amazing. Uh, definitely would love to have you back on the show as well. And and one little personal note, uh, my girlfriend wanted to say hi to you from a Big Sky girl. She's from Montana, so she wanted me to tell you hi. So, yes, she <laughs> she's very familiar with ExploreBigSky.com. Awesome. That's excellent. That's excellent. And, Brandon, I don't know if you know this, but since Ronda Rousey can't fight Holly Holm at UFC 200, Alex is going to step in in her place, and he, he will fight – <laughs> Holly Holm. <laughs> yeah, can you get me Ronda Rousey's number? Because I'm wondering if she's bored now. I'm wondering if she's bored and she might be a little bit more open to answer some of my tweets and texts and date requests. <laughs> she's doing well, she's doing SNL right now. <laughs> yeah, she just got done with SNL, and I, I think she's still busy because uh, of her um, roadhouse. Let's not let's not delve into that because on. that's a sore subject with me. <laughs> the Patrick Swayze movie remakes. Between I years. loved I loved your take on movie remakes, by the way, Martin. Not to not to make your time go a little bit. I know you guys were wrapping up, but I loved that take on movie remakes. I how agree with you, you wholeheartedly. How the hell do you do you remake Point Break? I just I, I just how do you do it? <laughs> ah, I mean, I just I. I I'm it's a travesty and a sham and a mockery. It's a travesty mockery. It's travesty mockery. <laughs> I mean. Gary Busey's probably beside himself right now, not because he's high on drugs or anything, but just because, <laughs> man, it's just, oh, it's a disaster. I think he's more worried about the the walls melting on him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, everyone. That's all the time we have today. If you want more, like us on Facebook, AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Follow us on Twitter, at AM Sports Guys. Check out our website, aimsportsguys.com, where you can watch Boogie Nights and watch for Alex as the body part double for Mark Wahlberg. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.